In the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, let's read this uh, uh, two or three verses here together. And then we'll pray and uh, we'll get into, I want to share with you the message the Lord's given me today. So uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Bible says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let us pray this morning. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for this word you've given us here in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Lord, and we see here the importance for uh, Christian people to be gathering together to draw strength from one another. So, Lord, as we expound this message today and upon these scriptures you've given us here today, I pray that our hearts would be open, Lord, that our minds would receive the things that we need to receive from your word today and that our hearts would understand and that we would know, Lord, that it is a good thing to gather together with God's people together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, the title of today's lesson is, is Why Should Christians Go to Church? And uh, uh, one of the things that we've went over the last couple of weeks is uh, we've been talking about spiritual battle. And last week we talked about we wanted to battle for our brethren, you know, that we might be that person that could be the helper or something and that kind of thing. But I wanted you to notice today that, that the reason that we go to church is that's how some spiritual battles are won also. There's things that God will do in the assembly of the saints that he just doesn't do in other areas sometimes. And if that's the way God wants to work and win a victory or defeat the enemy, then that's where he's going to do it. And that's what I wanted to talk to you today about. Why should Christians go to church? Now today's, uh, the target audience for today is, is definitely not us because uh, we're regular attendees to church and we go. But the target audience the Lord wanted me to see was uh, to show you today was there's a lot of people that's saved and born again, but they don't go to church been a long time since they've went to church. Maybe they'll go to a Christmas play or maybe sometime around Easter or something like that. But why should Christians go to church on a regular basis? And a lot of people, they, they talk about they love God and they, they post things on their social media, scripture verses, and, and pr- say they're praying for people and on and on. But for some reason, they don't go to church. And it may be a lot of different reasons for that. There may be that maybe their feelings was hurt or maybe somebody did something to them or whatever. But I'm talking to that group of people today that uh, is born again, but yet they don't attend church on a regular basis. I want you to understand that there's a, there's a need and there's a spiritual need for you to come to church because we're going to see through it today that there's a lot of things that the Lord does in the assembly of the saints. So to answer uh, the question, why should Christians go to church? Let's, let's first look at, well, what does it mean to be the church? What is church? First and foremost, the church is the body of believers. It's what we refer to as the body of Christ. This is a worldwide thing, okay, and it spans generations and it spans time frames, okay? When you're born again, you're in the body of Christ. We talked about that last week, that no member is not important. If you're born again and you're saved and you're in the body of Christ, that there's a role for you to play and that you belong to the body of Christ and you're in the church. But then there's also the church that is at what we call the local church. That's the church where a certain group of believers gather together and they have preaching and teaching or whatever and prayer and worship and those kinds of things. So when we say what is church, well, yes, if you're born again, yes, you're in the church. But I want you to see through this message today that there's a role that you play in your local church as well. You might be the person that the Lord wants to use to help somebody at church that day. 
But if we don't ever go and we take the mindset and the attitude, well, I'll just do private devotions at home and I'll be a nice person and try to shine the light of Jesus uh, on my job or my workplace. If we take that attitude, we're missing out on so much of what God wants to do. And I want to show you some of those things today. Now, the Lord made it this way. Uh, when we say, what, what, why should we go to church? And there's a, lot, there's a big movement right now that's going on. And a lot of people are saying, well, they're just a bunch of old hypocrites at church. You don't need to go. What you need to do is just be in the Spirit. Let's just commune in the Spirit. We can do it from our house. And we can do it from this. And watch on and on and on. But God didn't set it up that way. God set it up that way for people to come to a certain place, wherever it may be. It might be a real nice, big, fancy church building. It may be something more basic like we're here in today. It might be in underground somewhere, in hiding, in like some of these communist countries where they won't allow it to be in the open. But people gathers together to be with the Lord and each other. Amen. If that's the way the Lord set it up. He'll do things when we gather together that He will not do in private. One of the reasons and the things that we follow the format we do here at our church is this was something the Lord showed me when we, when we uh, come here to open it for public services was the story of Jehoshaphat. They sought God first together. They pray. That's why we pray. That's the first thing we do. And then after that, we sing and we worship the Lord. Amen. Listen to this. I'm just going to read briefly a little bit of the highlights of that story. To show you that God will do certain things in the assembly of the saints that he will not do in private. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord in all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Now there were some people that had come down against him. It was the people of Ammon and Moab and the Mount Seir, they called it. And they had outnumbered the people of Judah. And they'd come down and said, we're going to wipe you out. Now notice that Jehoshaphat didn't take the mindset and the attitude, well, everybody, let's just go into our private prayer closet and let's see what the Lord's going to do. You know what Jehoshaphat did? He sent word around all the whole place of Judah, all the whole countryside, coming to the house of the Lord. We've got to go together and seek the Lord about this. It says that they came down and then just a little bit later in that story it said that not only just King Jehoshaphat and the leaders of the people, but their wives and their children came and they stood before the Lord in the temple. Amen. And guess what happened? When they all came there and they began to seek God, what are we going to do? Jehoshaphat prayed and he said, Lord, here we are against this multitude and we're outnumbered and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are up on you. Now can you imagine this congregation of people? Scared to death. But it was all the people. Even the little ones. Even the children. Sometimes I think churches make a great mistake by trying to push the kids off somewhere else during church time. I'm not speaking against the, yeah, we need to have children's church and those kinds of things. But I think sometimes the children even need to hear what's going on by the Spirit of God. Amen. They did in that day. And guess what happened? The Bible said that the Spirit of the Lord came upon a Levite. And I want to make sure I pronounce his name right. Jehaziel. The word of the Lord didn't come upon King Jehoshaphat, the leader. It didn't come upon any of the other high priests or the, the common priests or anything like that. But there was a fellow there whose lineage was of the house of Asaph. A Levite. 
And all of a sudden, as this whole congregation of people were crying out to the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon this man and he stood up and he said, Listen to me, all you in Judah and Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. And they began to seek and talk about it and figure out what they were going to do by the presence of God. And guess what the Lord said for them to do? Figure out some people that's going to sing and praise the Lord. And we're going to send them out first. And guess what? The battle will be won in just in that. Do you know that the Bible says that when they began to sing together in the assembly, in the congregation of the Lord, when they had gathered together, they had prayed and sought God, and then they began to praise God. <clears throat> and the Bible says, when they began to sing, that the Lord set ambushes, and the enemies that they were fighting started fighting each other, and they killed each other out, and they didn't even have to fight. Why do we need to come to church? Because there's some enemies that's too great for us to fight by ourselves. There's some enemies that we need to come together with other people of God and seek God with all our heart and sing praises unto Him. And guess what? Battles will be won. Spiritual victories will take place when we come together as the people of God and we pray and seek His face and we sing praises unto His name. Amen? Amen. So why should we go? I just had a few reasons. That's, that's a good enough reason for me as I see that that... That is kind of the format that God laid out in that story of Jehoshaphat. That the, that the gathering together of God's people in a common place, right? That they'll be able to win victories, amen, for each other and for the kingdom of God, amen. So I just had a couple of points I wanted to share with you when people say, well, is it really that important to go to church? What happens is so many times within Christianity, people look at things and they say, well, just show me a command that says thou must go to church. So they want it to be in the format of like the Ten Commandments to say, well, okay, if it says it, then, then I'll go. It's not really, you're not going to really find it there. But I just had a couple points I wanted to show you. That the Bible doesn't come right out and say, yes, you must attend church. We read out of Hebrews that we should gather together so much more as we see the day approaching, the day speaking of there, the day of the judgment, the day of the, when God's going to return. Amen? I just happened to think of these this week. Jesus went to church. That's a good enough reason for me to go. Think about this. And it says in Luke chapter 4, So when he, speaking of Jesus, came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus was used to going to church. It was his custom. That's what he did. When the, Whatever the day was, we're not going to dwell on the fact that he went on the Jewish Sabbath. We're not going to dwell on that. But whatever day was set aside at the local church that we're going to have church, guess what? Jesus was there. Amen? So Jesus went. That's good enough reason for me to go. This is another good reason. Jesus promised to meet us there. Now because of the uh, time change last night, and it happens every year, a lot of people get confused. We don't have a lot of big numbers here today. But this is a, this is a good message. There's just a few of us, but it, we know the Lord is here. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So if Jesus went to church and he's given us the promise that when you gather together with like-minded people and assemble together for the right reasons, I'll be there in the midst. 
That's a pretty good reason to go. If we say we love Jesus and we say we're born again and we want to follow him and we're his disciple, won't we want to be where he's at? He made the promise, didn't he? Amen. Another good reason is that the early Christians went to church. I'm talking to some people that's going to hear this. They're not present with us here in this building today. The Lord is telling you, oh, hallelujah. It's time to come home, saith the Lord. It's time to come home. Get, your, get yourself back in church. Amen. The early, the early Christians went. This is out of Acts chapter 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They didn't just get saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit out there uh, uh, in the earlier part of the book of Acts. Once all those things had happened, they got together and they prayed together and they listened to the doctrine and the teaching and they were in fellowship with one another, right? And they continued in those things. wonder why the Lord wants it to be that way. I'll have to be careful here and not stumble and fall, get a little too excited. Amen? Amen. The apostles planted actual churches and ministered at those gatherings. They didn't just tell everybody to commune in the Spirit. They planted churches in the, in the face of lots of persecution from authorities and governments and councils and those things. They planted churches and then guess what? They went around and ministered in those churches. They assigned people to be leaders in those churches to teach the people. Amen? Nearly all the New Testament epistles were written to church gathers, gatherings. I find really that there are three that weren't written to an actual church, but two of those three were written to pastors. That would be Timothy and Titus telling them how they needed to conduct what? Church. <laughs> and what to teach in church. So nearly all the New Testament epistles are written to churches, people who actually gather together in a physical common location. The book of Revelation, do you know who it's addressed to? See, we, see, we try to t take the book of Revelation and send it to the world and preach it to the world. It wasn't given to the world. It said to the churches which are in Asia, seven of them. And it says to the angels of those churches, which meant the pastors of those churches. This is what I have to say to you. That's a good enough reason for me to go in So the early church went. The New Testament epistles are written to churches. The book of Revelation was written... To church people. Amen. Well, what's our purpose for gathering? Now that we see that, you know, maybe we should go. And we don't just go, and that's why I'm saying I'm calling this now the purpose why we should go. We've seen that, okay, yeah, it's a good thing, it's important. But then we don't just decide, well, I'm just going to go to be present. I'm not just going just to be present so I can say, well, yeah, put a check beside my name. I went to church today. That's not why. There's a purpose in going to church. Amen. The first and the number one priority and the number one reason and the number one purpose we have when we go to church is we need to be aware that we're entering the presence of the Lord. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. So when we come to church, we're not just coming to 
be entertained or all the things that's going on now or just to say that I was there. I'm coming with a purpose that I'm entering the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's promised that he will be in the midst of people gathering together in his name. He must be respected. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ must be respected. There's a lot of things going on in what they call uh, charismatic churches. And I'm going to get on some toes today. And this may be some of the reasons that some people don't go to church anymore. Is they went to some of these charismatic churches and people acted like a bunch of fools. And we're not acting by the Spirit of God. And it's turned them off. It's turned them away. There is no excuse. I don't care what kind of spirituality you call it. There's no excuse for disrespecting God's house. And disrespecting His presence. People will do things in them kinds of churches. They'll run around and brag about jumping up on pews and walking on pews, but they would dare not ever set foot on their own couch with their feet in their own house. The Bible says things are to be done decently and in order. Amen. God's presence is to be respected. Amen. That's our number one purpose. So if you're being convicted by this today and saying, well, I haven't been to church in a long time. I think I probably should go. That's speaking to me. I need to go. Don't just come with just some nonchalant attitude. Get your mind right before you come to church. and Say, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. He's going to teach me something today. I'm going to honor His name and I'm going to praise and worship Him. And if He speaks good or bad to me, I'll believe it and know that that's what He has for me. If it comes conviction on me, then I know I need to straighten up. If it gives encouragement to me, then I'll say, thank the Lord for that too. Amen? So we have to come with a purpose that we're entering the presence of the Lord. Ecclesiastes says this. And this was written by a man who was the one who dedicated the original temple. And he knows what the Shekinah glory of God was about. He saw that happen after he prayed that day, which was King Solomon. He knows what the presence of God was about. Amen? And this is what he said in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil. Some people just come to church and they just want to be heard and seen. That's not what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And Solomon said here, don't come to give the sacrifice of fools to blow and blabber and just on and on and on. It's not what it's about. Do not be rash with your mouth. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you're on earth. Therefore let your words be few. He's to be respected. That's our number one purpose. Timothy said, uh, Paul said to Timothy this. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. He's telling this to a pastor. A young pastor that he's training and bringing along. I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. <clears throat> See, we have gone away somehow or another. Somehow or another in this movement to say, well, we just need to, to, to try to cater to everybody's wants and desires in church. No, no, that's not what church was about. Church is about the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ being there when we meet. And he's to be respected and revered. Amen? And we're supposed to act and conduct ourselves properly, decently, and in order. Amen? Many modern day churches don't respect the church as the sanctuary of God. 
I hear people talk about it, and I've been set through them services, and I have experienced it when people get happy and shouts and dances, and that's fine. That's all right. Praise the Lord. That's fine. But you know what the true presence of God will bring? You're going to get in the floor. You're going to look for a place to hide, and you're going to want to cover your head, and everything inside your being starts to tremble because the presence of God is there. Amen. That's the true presence of God. When he speaks to you and you know that he is all over you and you just don't even want to look up because you're afraid. Amen. That's the fear of the Lord which the Bible talks about. Not fearing that he's going to zap us and do something to us, but the fear and the awesome respect of the Lord Jesus Christ and his presence. Hallelujah. We don't go to church to be entertained. That's the biggest thing I see right now going on is the entertainment value of going to church. People having all these different things going on. It has nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. They say they're trying to enhance people's experience. You don't need to enhance the experience of the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. He stands alone as the greatest experience you'll ever have in your life. It's to experience the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the assembly of people of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the second purpose is to be the honor of the Lord as a congregation. Our brother always says it, and I, I like the way he says that. There's no big eyes and little U's. We come together to honor the Lord. Amen. It's about Him. Not about me, not about you, not about the one doing the singing, not about that. It's about us honoring the Lord together collectively as a group. Amen. <clears throat> book of Psalms says this in Psalm 22. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Hallelujah. See, we don't need to look around and see if anybody else is into it. We don't need to worry about what such and such is, whether they're not singing or not. You sing to the Lord. Tune everybody else out and you sing to the Lord. And guess what? That'll be contagious. Next thing you know, a lot of people will be singing. Amen. So we come together to honor and worship the Lord together. In the midst of the assembly. Psalm 34 also says this. Oh magnify the Lord with me. <clears throat> and let us exalt his name together. As we've come together. Let us sing praises unto his name. See what is the people that don't come to church anymore. How are they doing this? How are they fulfilling these scriptures? Yeah you can praise at home. You can turn on music and you can praise. And you can have yourself a good time. But what about the praising in the midst of the assembly? Because there's something just a little different about that, isn't it? I got news for you. I got news for you. When we go to heaven, I don't think there's going to be any prayer closets there or any private devotions. Everything's going to be all together. Amen. The voice of God's saints honoring him and praising him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 149 says this, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, and praise in the assembly of the saints. Let them praise His name with the dance. Let them sing praises to Him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people, and He will beautify the humble with salvation. Amen. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise God. Let us do it in the assembly of the uh, gathering of God's people. Amen. Amen. That's the second purpose. The third purpose is to seek God's counsel. We seek God's counsel through prayer. You know, we can pray at home and we get answered and God does things when we pray in private. 
Jesus said for us to enter our closets and pray, right? And God will reward us openly. But we also have that prayer of when we come together. When we come together and we have the same thing in common, right? Amen. Sometimes our prayer closet is not enough. You remember the story of Hezekiah? When Shennacherib came down against him, the king of Assyria, and he'd already carried away the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, right? He carried him away captive. And then he came down to Judah and he started taking over some cities. And he sent word by a messenger and he said this, Who is the God of Hezekiah that he's going to be able to stop me? I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to do that, that, and that, and I'm going to wipe you out and carry you away because I've done that to every other people that I have faced. And you know what Hezekiah did? He didn't go to his prayer closet. He didn't go around and pronounce a fast and all this kinds of stuff to make himself look better. You know what he did? The Bible says he went straight to the house of God. And he took that letter that had been given by those by those uh, uh, people that come from Shennacherib and he took it into the house of God and it said that he laid him out there before the Lord. Lord, we don't know what to do. But there's also an interesting thing that happened there. The Bible also says that he sent for another fellow named Isaiah. And the Bible says there, I believe it's in the book of Chronicles, that it says that when they heard this, that Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord heard their petition. What did Jesus say? If you agree on anything, then you ask me that, I'll do. There is something about corporate prayer when God's people come together for whatever case it may be. Amen. And when they cried out to the Lord, he answered. You know what happened? This great king, Sennacherib, who had done exactly what he said, he wasn't lying. He said, let me tell you something. You don't realize that everything you've done up until now, you've been working for me. I've allowed you to do all this, but this thing, you've overstepped your bounds. Now I'm going to put a hook in your nose and I'm going to draw you back into your own place and you will not come into this city and you will not take over this city of Jerusalem. And guess what? They went out and there was 185,000 of them found dead. Amen. And he was drawn back into his own house and his own place. And he went into the temple of his God, the Bible says. And his own son slayed him there. Amen. We come together to seek God in prayer. Amen. In the book of Acts, a lot of attention gets drawn to the book of Acts chapter 2 when it says that the Holy Spirit was given and they all spoke in tongues and magnified God in different languages and those kinds of things. There's a lot of attention given to that, but nobody ever gives much attention to Acts chapter 4. And I want to show you that it ties in good with this about the we come together to pray. They had been arrested and charged and beaten and, and everything for preaching the gospel. And they had went on back out. And uh, uh, they said that uh, they weren't going to listen to, to man, but they were going to listen to God. And then when they went out and they began to tell this story, it said that people began to magnify God. All the church gatherings. And you know what happened right after that? They had gathered together. And it says this. And when they had prayed. Not when one person prayed. Not when we communed in the spirit and prayed. No. When they had come together. And they had prayed together. 
Amen. Guess what happened? The place where they were assembled together was shaken. Hallelujah. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Bible doesn't say anything about any tongues or any uh, foreign languages being spoken this day. It says this day, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Because that's what they'd asked for, wasn't it? They said, Lord, help us to, to do through signs and miracles and wonders that people may believe in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we seek God's counsel in prayer. And we also seek it through the preaching of His Word. Ephesians says this, he gave, And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That's where we talk about the five-fold ministry. What do you think the five-fold ministry is for? To commune in the Spirit? No. It's to commune in an actual assembly, a physical location of believers in Jesus Christ. And it says there's a reason that they were given. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So do I need to go to church? I think we do. Can you have a nice devotion life and not go to church? Yeah, you can. You can read the Bible every day. You can pray every day. You can have a lot of devotional time. And you might be a nice guy. And you may actually go out and help the poor and do a lot of things. But if we're neglecting the attending of church and the assembling together with God's people, you see that there's a lot of things missing in our life. And the last thing I wanted to talk to you is about the fourth purpose. Why we go to church? What's my reason for going to church? Not just because, okay, Rick, you've talked me into it. I see now through the scriptures that I probably should be in church. If I say I'm saved, I should go to church. I need to find a church. But now this is the last and then fourth purpose. When I go, I have these purposes in, in my heart and in my mind. We need to be available for our brethren. You know the Lord may be using you as a Jehaziel the Levite. You know, he's only mentioned that one time in the Bible. That's his only claim to fame was that particular story. That's what was told of him. That he happened to be in the assembly of God's people and they had prayed and had a problem, right? They were having a problem and they had prayed and guess who God decided to use? Jehaziel. He was there and he gave the words of comfort and the words of instruction of what they were to do as the battle went forward there in the days of Jehoshaphat, right? Maybe those that are not gone to church in the last five years. How many times, oh, how many times in the local assembly was God looking for Jehaziel and he wasn't there? Is that you? Oh, I hope not. Romans 15 says this. When we, who are, we, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. We need to be together like a family. You know, if you have a family dinner when, when, and you're used to it always being a certain amount of people there and a certain people are always there and somebody passes away and they're no longer there, there's a hole in there. There's a hole in that family dinner. There's a hole in that family reunion that... Such and such is not with us any longer. And it's just a memory. What about in church? What if you're the person God wants to use to encourage somebody else? 
Maybe it just might be just simply your presence and say, Hey, how you been doing? Been praying for you. But if we're home saying, Well, I'm just going to commune with God in the Spirit. What if you're the person God wants to use? Galatians chapter 6 says this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need each other, don't we? God made the church this way. He made us to assemble together so that we could be there for each other. So that we could be helpers one with another, right? Because sometimes we're strong and we're going to be the ones giving the comfort, right? And then some days we might be the one getting wore out and we're weak and we need somebody else to say, Hey, I love you, man. How's things going? And you can talk with each other and pray with one another, right? Amen. And James 5 says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We need each other. And so the issue and the call is going forth today. This is the whole reason that I have, have, have expanded this word this way. Is the Lord just simply gives me this phrase. To those of you who haven't been to church in a while, come home. You might not realize it, but you're a warrior in God's kingdom. And he needs everyone that he has. Everyone that he has available, he needs us for a certain reason. We may be that Jehaziel. One time in all of his life is he mentioned here in the scriptures. That's it. Amen. You might be a Jehaziel. He's the only one, only mentioned in scripture this one time in the story of Jehoshaphat. Yet he alone received the word from God. Why should we go to church? Why should Christians go to church? We see there's lots of reasons. The better question would be, why not? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you today and we give you thanks for this day. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the uh, message you've given us here today, Father. We thank you, God, for all these things. And we pray, Lord, we see the importance now of what it takes, Lord, and, and what it means for us to, to be gathered together. We see how the victories are won in those things, Father. And we, we ask you, Lord, that you just help us take these words as we go forth today, Father. And and uh, and maybe we can help someone else with them. Maybe we can have, maybe we have friends who, who've gotten themselves out of church. Maybe it's been years since they went. Maybe there's Lots of underlying reasons. We're not going to talk about all the reasons. But Lord, help us to help maybe our friends and family to see that, yes, they're needed in the kingdom of God. They're needed in the local church gatherings and they're needed in the assembly. So Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus today. We pray and give you thanks. Go with each one and keep them safe. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.